0: everybody and welcome to this next episode of shredding the gnar gotta say a big thanks to my sponsors seasick threads the best board bags in the world straight out of australia to my associates over at wavescape a massive thanks for all the support and to my guest henry chomper from chomper surfboards henry is a young up-and-coming surfboard shaper out of cape town south africa Henry's ethos is about producing surf craft that can last, that you can hand down to your children. He focuses on quality, meticulously making sure that each board that he handshapes is not only made from the best materials, but also is crafted with a lot of love and care. I caught up with Henry in Cape Town during the recent Wavescape Surf Film and Art Festival, and uh, we had a good chat about how he became a surfer, why he became a surfboard shaper, and also his love for the craft. We hope you enjoy this episode with Henry Chomper. Here we are at lifestyle surf shop a big thanks to craig and his team down here at lifestyle for having us as part of this little podcast setup here biggest legend like, in the game craig yeah, Paul. exactly Le- henry chomper welcome That's lovely to see you here it's uh it's been a long co- time coming this this conversation of ours and i'm glad it's happening now at a time when there's a whole lot of cool new things happening within your life as well, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it couldn't have come at a better time. Before we carry on, I just want to say a massive thanks to my sponsor, Seasek Threads, best board bags in the world out of Australia. I mean, he's, he's done board bags for like um, the big Lebowski, what's his name?
1: Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. Uh.
0: And um, who else? there's <laughs> the money Lebowski? That's Lebowski. <coughs> and there's, that's Henry's... I've got my two children in the studio today, studio. Yes. They are beautifully behaved furry kids, and they are lying over there. We'll have to get them on camera just now. Every now and then, you might hear a bark. I apologize. We'll just push them into. Yeah, so thanks to CSEC Threads and to my associates over at Wavescape. Let's kick off this podcast by saying Henry Chomper makes some of the most beautifully crafted surfboards in South Africa. Thank you. You really do. I'm going to blow a lot of smoke up his bottom because (laughs) it, it deserves to be blown. And we've got one of his boards. Over there, it's a pity it's not behind us. And um, I just have to do this because you did you move that board? I'd did tra- I? I'd strategically place it so it. Oh I apologize. so messing with the props.
1: Sorry, I saw a ding and then I had to I had to
0: yellow or blue?
1: Blue's nice. Okay, It'll bring out my eyes. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! Uh uh-uh. uh. So yeah, my favourite rough no, a no, band. No, no, It's all good.
0: It's all good. Right now you see the blue board behind us. Now we can kick it off. Um, so Henry, let's let's talk about young Henry. I mean, you're not exactly old Henry. We're not going to ask you your age unless you actually want to come out and just say it. Um, still a baby, 26 still a baby, years old. Yeah. Wow. But because he's a lanky, lanky dude, you uh, he commands a lot of. Luxury. Yeah, I get away with it. I got a presence. You've got presence. When yeah. he w- walks into the room, everyone's like, whoa. HC. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, why do you shape such cool boards? What got you into surfing? Cape Town boy, born and bred. Yeah. Okay. Firstly, thanks for having me. You're welcome. It's great to be here. Um,
1: okay. Long story short, I come from a. I was born and bred in Cape Town. I lived in the city bowl my entire life. Um, I started longboarding, longboard skateboarding, got you. as a teenager. Um, and did it kind of semi-professionally. Nothing is very professional in this country, as we know. Um, So I was competing in the local races and then got picked up by a couple of sponsors from the States Mm -hmm. and was very fortunate to be sent on Eurotour in 2015, or the European leg of the World Tour of Skateboarding back then. Um, I was SA Champ in 2014, I think, and that kind of boosted me into going on the World Mm -hmm. Tour. It's all very informal. It sounds fun and jazz, but it's all like you pay your way. Sponsors okay. kind of paid for races, gotcha. and it's not as glamorous as it sounds. Uh, went to Europe, got our asses handed
0: to us. Skateboarding, skateboarding, longboarding, skateboarding, yeah. racing skateboards. Right, like like Cape Town is quite famous for some of those big downhill, yeah, Red Bull DHX, yeah, that's it, all of that stuff. So um, you was you that that was your like you were schooled in. Yeah. racing and Gabe. We down.
1: were very much second generation. First generation was you know Ken fault. Um, okay. Stuart Bradburn and those dudes. Okay. And we were the kind of youngsters. We came up during um, BoardHub's era, which is Mitch Blackburn who owns BoardHub. Yes. Um, is was BoardHub, and he started with kind of longboarding, and then we went to Europe. We got our asses handed to us. We were like big fish, small pond in South Africa. <laughs> okay. Small fish, big pond in Europe. Got you. Um. Came back from Eurotour and pretty much instantly injured myself one night being stupid skating at night on Halloween. I think it was 2015 Halloween. Okay. Um, ended up needing to get knee surgery, got knee surgery. Kind of thought, oh, maybe the risk reward factor with downhill skateboarding has run its course um, let me try this thing surfing. And before that, it's quite ironic, I was very much like anti surfing. Oh, really? My whole motto was like, why would you surf something that isn't there all the time? You know, you have to wait for the waves to get good and the good conditions where like the road is always there. I could surf at any time of day. Okay, that was your mantra. Very silly, naive mantra. Um, And because of kind of where I was in skateboarding, I was getting free stuff, free boards, free gear. Um, which meant that I could kind of experiment a lot and I really enjoyed riding different boards, riding different gear, trying different things out. And then I started surfing and was like, wow, stuffs you know, you have to buy this stuff now. Yes. Um, so instead of buying my first surfboard, in the beginning I just would ask all my friends, can I ride your board, can I ride your board? I also was a little bit kooky in the sense that I didn't realize you don't really ask people to ride their boards in surfing, mm. so I would go to like the beach with no board and just ask some random dude on the beach, like, "Hey, your board looks cool. It's fun. Give it a say. We can we can restart that." It's fine. Byron and his loud voice. He does your lifestyle surfer board every day.
0: <laughs> it's good for that, not for this. Import is coming. Must be from. Uh, my hometown, in the Valley of a Thousand Hills. <laughs> <to communicate laughs> <to> run, <laughs> um Yeah, let me, just, let me just. You know he was. Um, he was pitching a, the other day he was pitching to someone right here, and um, I must say it didn't really make too much of a difference. Okay, well, yeah, let's I mean, carry on. We can carry on you um, um, left off.
1: Should I repeat a little bit of that? You can. So I was kind of kooky in the sense that I didn't realize that in surfing, people don't really give their boards out that much, especially to strangers. So I was kind of going to the beach without a board and walking up to people and being like, I like the look of your board, can I surf it? Luckily, I got away with it sometimes. Okay. And I managed to surf quite a few boards before actually buying my first board. Um, then the first board I bought was a Voodoo. Ah, I was going to ask you that. What shout out Robbie. He was actually really cool in the beginning. Um... Of in the my, beginning, it's changed of, now. Of my, no, no, of my <laughs> surfing no, and joking. shaping thing, he was very helpful. Good. Um, first factory I ever saw was Robbie's. Um, got a first board, and then when it came time to kind of, you know, you're eventually going to want to get a different board. Instead of buying a board from someone, I was like, why didn't I give it a shot? Yeah. So at the time, I had a bunch of camera equipment because I used to make videos for when I was skateboarding. Um, so I sold that video equipment and ended up buying, if I remember correctly, I think it was 12 blanks from Ross at Cool Dandy. Um, and no other tools. Naively just bought blanks and thought, cool, I can, I can make surfboards. Didn't think about resin, didn't think about cloth, didn't think about glass, and then it was just like, I got 12 blanks, that's 12 boards. Just and... Gonna start shaping. Yeah, that's where it started. Then picked up tools from here and there, The first flat that I moved to when I left home had a garage, converted that into a kind of makeshift shaping bay. Mm -hmm. And the very first board that I shaped was from a broken blank because I didn't buy 12 brand new blanks. I kind of hustled with Ross to get as many blanks as I could. Got some broken blanks, some snap blanks, this and the other damaged stuff. And the first board that I shaped ever was a 410 ridiculous fish for, that turned out for Rob Tweedle. Rob Tweedle, a yeah. mate of mine that I went to school with, great surfer from London, ended up buying it. And cool. actually taking it to Namibia, Funny enough. So the first water ever shaved, landed up surfing in Namibia. Don't know how it did, but it still exists somewhere out there. But okay. it was a dog, you know, it was definitely a dog. And then it kind of grew from there, word of mouth. You know, this friend, that friend, yeah. the standard shaper thing. Yeah. Um, I was studying at the time at Vega, doing a creative, Brand communications.
0: We're talking sort of like 2019, 2020. No, no, this is 2017? now 2016. Wow. 16, okay. Yeah, after your crash and your. Yes, yes. Surgery. So this is wow. kind of. Oh, I took a gap year to yeah. go do
1: the Euro tour, and then this yeah. was my first year in college. Yeah. College, Vega. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um,
0: learning. Yeah, learning <laughs> everything. Learning so that's a
1: funny story. Second year starts, first day of second year, they give us a color wheel to okay. color in. Okay. And I was kind of like, this is nonsense. So I approached my parents at the time and I was like, listen, we got given a color wheel in second year. This is silly. The boards are kind of taking off, naive as well. Um, If we pull out of college now, we can get 100% of the deposit back for that year. Um, Can I pursue the surfboard thing? My parents were, you know, blessings. They said you can, only for a year. You can try it out for a year if it doesn't work for the year you go back next year and um, and i ended up using that deposit as kind of a startup so i bought all the tools that i needed um my stepfather's got a factory out in montague gardens and he had a corner of like corner of the workshop that i turned into a a, a makeshift thing
0: the one that I visited time when no 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 this was in Monty Gardens this was like yeah. Uh, I do apologize. So the first yes, thing yeah.
1: was the garage in the flat and then the second thing was essentially a garage at his company in Monty Gardens on their premises. Gotcha. And that's where it all kind of started. I dived you know full head first, bought resin, bought cloth and started shaping. I was very, very naive in the sense that I didn't know anyone in the industry. I didn't know how the industry worked. I was just like stoked to make surfboards and give it a shot on my own. So I didn't even know that you could like get Craig or someone to glass your board for you. So yeah. I thought I gotta do it myself. Yeah. Um,
0: which was a blessing in disguise
1: because yeah. you, kind of you learned, learned from it. the ground up. You learned from the ground up. Um, I'm, I kind of messaged all of the guys that were the big players at the time. Um, you know, can I come and play around in your factory? Sadly, which is something that I've dealt with now in the future. I've chatted to all the dudes. Um, a lot of them turned me down, I totally understand why, you know, you don't want some kid just running around the shop. Yes. Um, but in hindsight, really cool because instead of kind of learning from someone, I went through the trial and error myself. Okay. And learned my own little techniques here and there. Um, and yeah, it was a long and, you know, you make a lot of mistakes, dogs and yeah. mistakes. and You know, mess up here and there, resin is just a, a very tricky thing to master. Not that I've mastered it in any way, but... It's a hard thing to do. Um, but yeah, I learned all those over time, which is great because now I'm pretty um, Don't pretty stoked with where yeah, with pretty stoked with where the glassing is and like how that all kind of came to play.
0: Yeah. So all the all the bali shapers turned you down. Yeah. Like literally everyone.
1: Literally everyone, yeah. Except for, for Robbie. Yes. Um, but even then I didn't really kind of like I was just there, I, mean, yeah. I swept the floors a bit and, and checked it out which was
0: because cool. they didn't want you to steal with your eyes.
1: Yeah, essentially,
0: yeah, you know, that's
1: how it goes. It, it is kind of typical South the African in everything we're all pretty closed off, and we think that we're doing our thing and that's our method and we don't want to give it up, yeah. um, which is it's starting to change nowadays, which is cool to see, yeah um, but you know very different from what I was picking up from all the YouTube videos, seeing, you know, in America they have these glass houses where you can yes. come and learn and do this, you know, we had a very different kind of scene, especially at that time, it's, it's changing now towards more of a inclusive, you know, idea-sharing uh, industry. Um, if we yeah. dig
0: down into that, um, if we may, like from a South African mentality and perspective, mm. would you say that's due to part and parcel of our reserve upbringing as South Africans, you know, going to government schools and that kind of authoritarian style yeah, of, of being perhaps. brought up?
1: Yeah, Also just I think
0: South Africans have a kind of get it
1: done, do it yourself attitude and right. that maybe translates into people's businesses where like, you know, I'm sure that the guys that I asked for help didn't get help and therefore they had the same feeling in the sense that this is now something I've curated over all of my life, you know, this is my experience. IP why my yeah. experience. why am I gonna give this away? You know, yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna guard this, which is cool. Yeah. Um so I totally understand now in hindsight. At the time I was like, Oh, you
0: know, why yeah. didn't anyone help me? But now yes. I'm
1: like, totally, you guys had been, you know, learning on your own as I was trying to do now, why give up your secrets? Um
0: But are they secrets?
1: That's the thing, not really.
0: Nah. nah. If we're being realistic, yeah. In this day and age you can literally like find everything. Find so that's everything.
1: the thing. I found everything on the
0: internet. You can ask ChatGPT AI yeah. to um, go out and look for. Now you can you yeah. can literally ask it to go out and find you the five best shapes and get me all the dimensions and it'll give it back to you within too, yeah. ten minutes.
1: Um, I I knew that I always wanted to do the handshape stuff, so I didn't. I wasn't interested in like finding files and that type of thing. Yep. Um, but yeah, I watched every single video on YouTube. I messaged everyone on Instagram. Uh, you know, international or local, and just kind of shot my shot, ask questions and some people were very receiving, others were not so much, but yes. that's how it was, and yeah, over time,
0: learned, and that's, that's the long story short. <laughs> I think you, um, thanks for that, I think that you, one thing that you did do in terms of, like, as an early starter, which was, you know, whether you saw this gap in the market or not at the time, I mean, we think of like the Ryan Lovelace's of the world, and you know guys like that who, who were you know. Let's go rewind ten years. There was not very many of those type yeah, shapers in South Africa and dialed into that style mm-hmm. of shaping. Um, and it's it's more than just about shaping. It's it's their way of life. It's their ethos yeah, in yeah. life. Their connection to
1: the shaper lifestyle definitely drew me in. Okay. Yeah, because I mean I was I was very much at the time living the. The skater lifestyle, which was kind of similar, you yes. know, you, you lived what you did, um, and yeah. but you got
0: drawn into a different shaper lifestyle. I'm I'm trying to say that you were one of the first in South Africa on the alternative side. Yes. Yeah. Hundred percent. Because a lot of our shapers are still like, uh, like, and with no disrespect to any of them, that like they still the archetypal '90s shapers. Yeah, cookie cutter type of. Uh, listening to shaper. suicidal tendencies. Yeah, and yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Which is great. Um, we need we need that. Uh, you know. But yeah, like you were one of the first to kind of adopt that, like... Yeah, and I was,
1: you know, I think about it, it wasn't really a thought-out thing, but I just never really appealed to the performance side of surfing, because I was no good at it, straight up. Um, honest you know, chap, I wanted honest to, chap. I wanted to surf longboards, because that's what I was... In, I wanted to make longboards, because that was a, that's what I was interested in, ma- in surfing. I wanted to make fishes, because everybody saw that Rainbow, Ryan Birch... You know, psychic migrations video, and like that's what I wanted to do. That was the embodiment of, oh my God, let's, you know, drink beers with my mates and make boards overnight and go surf then the next day. Um, so 100%, you know, dived into that full on shaper yeah. lifestyle. You know, yeah. I just want to make boards and go surf and
0: van yeah, life. Yeah, van life. Got the van, did it all. Yeah. He's um, got the van. He has got the van. A big bright sold one. now,
1: it's gone. Oh, is it gone? Yeah. Sold the orange it. bus is gone. Uh, my whole life since then has I'm attempting to make a one eighty. You know, it worked really great at that big bright van for the beginning of the, the, the business. Jones, yeah. It had branding and it drew attention. Um, but now I'm trying to kind of maybe go a little bit more incognito. In oh life. right. Yeah. See. He likes to flip
0: the script Some every five <laughs> years. Some people <laughs> call it growing
1: up, I guess you could call it that. Um, I call it
0: I call it Staying ahead of what everyone else is doing, because yeah. I can relate to that. And the minute everyone else is trying to do what you're doing, that's when you decide yeah. to kind of like, hundred percent, go somewhere yeah, else.
1: That I, I can totally, totally relate to that. Yeah. I've always tried to be, you know, different, if yeah. that's what you want to call it.
0: Yeah. Um, well, that's cool. But yeah, and t- were you always like so fastidious with other things in in life? Were you always fixated on? Uh, You kind of come across as a shaper who strives for perfection. Yeah, I've always been a bit of a
1: perfectionist, 100%. I did art at school and I was kind of finicky. Yes. Um, A big thing... Anal is a better word. Yeah, anal is definitely a good word. A, A big thing to maybe note is that I always, you know, used to watch like movies and see the kind of American dad in his garage, you know, playing with the son with you know they, they're gonna make something with wood or whatever in their little garage workshop okay. and I never had that my, my, my biological father is a doctor so he okay. wasn't really also a tinkerer and my stepfather was kind of a businessman so he was at the office so I never really had the kind of tools growing up you know with my dad experience okay so when so you I yearned after I that. yearned after that when I moved into my first apartment and realized that there was a, a garage like the first thing I was like garage workshop, you know, I didn't even know at that point that I wanted to do surfboards,
0: but I was like, I want to get tools and I want to tinker in my work, in my workshop, yeah. Um, I know what you mean, I've been, I've, I've been around his, his, uh, Henry's uh, little shaping bay, and it's quite interesting, actually, it's the first time I've encountered uh, that the type of shaping bay that Henry has got, I must say, it's, it's not only, well, I'm going to get a little bit deeper, mind you, I'd just come back from the Mesh factory in uh, KwaZulu-Natal, and they, they're like a Polar opposite yeah. to to you in that they live on this old compound, this farm, and there's these old resin bins lying mm. all over the place from like 20 years yeah. ago, and like. But it's it's their vibe, and they within the chaos they create no, their 100%. poetry. Henry, on the other hand, is beautifully curated, shaping bay. Um, yeah. the the colours that he uses. I mean I, I, I really resonate with, with a lot of how you do it um, and on all of his tools he's got little messages like, this is Henry's, if you touch it I will shock you or so something. That, like that was because also, so
1: that kind of takes me to another thing I would dig to discuss, Yes, kind of drawing back to the secret of South African thing. Yeah. Um, so once the boards kind of took off, we, the, we had a family owned building in Woodstock. that my stepfather then agreed to kind of build a purpose-built factory into. This is the one I visited. Yeah, this way where you visited. And that was a blessing, you know. And at that point, I'd met Hugh Cox from Keeper Surfboards, and we kind of met each other, and both of our shapings went like... (laughs) We were two dudes on the same wavelength, and we were just like exploded with froth and what are we going to do? Energy. Yeah, and we had this factory built for us, which was incredible. But then it was like, cool, now you're sharing a factory. And it very quickly... You know, you realize like, oh, there's a certain way we each like to do things and that's kind of where marking my tools were. was like, you know, don't touch my tools because (laughs) I'm very much like a clean mind uh, or, you know, if the brain's messy, the work's messy. So if my space was kind of messed up, I would affect my work day, for example. So I'm trying to like, I would try and have everything in its place. I love for things to have its place. Okay and that's just my OCD. Kind I of should imagine
0: it. you're a minimalist as well.
1: To some degree I'm also a hoarder but oh, I, got, right, I got that okay. from my mom which okay. is quite ironic. Um, I struggled to get rid of things like right. the, there was corners of that factory that had you know resin build up from like yes. three years previous that <laughs> at some point I was going to make something with and I was not going to throw it away but it okay. never happened so that kind of weird hoardy it's vibe s- but it still needed there. to be clean yeah.
0: yeah. Um, okay cool so you you, you you do you prefer plastic or
1: real plants? Um, I prefer real plants for sure.
0: Okay, I was just going to say. Oh no, the, the nice thing about the plastic plant is everyone comes out perfect. Yeah. And you mu- they must see something in that
1: though. Yeah, to some degree. <laughs> I'm just um, making
0: small talk. Yeah. Okay, so going back to the factory in Woodstock that I visited, it was it was a really cool space because there was yourself, there was Hugh from Keeper, there was the young dude from Jack Dower. yeah Jack Dower, who. Has really come of age. I mean, I looked at some of his, his shapes um, at the recent um, board swap. Uh, really, really understated, underrated young man, mm-hmm. up and coming. He's also trying the whole underground vibe. Swindell came through with us as well. Swindell came through the Good for You Finco. Yeah, Good for You Finco. That's a fun story to tell, actually.
1: Okay, tell us about um, Good for You Finco. What's his s- name again? Matt. Matt. That's it.: So, true. I owe a lot to Matt okay. in the sense that. Because I wasn't a great sh- surfer, okay. it took quite a lot for me to legitimise my boards. Um, Matt was a really good, kind of, young, competitive grum in Komaki, you know, the shortboard thruster world. Okay. Um, and he kind of had a shift in the sense that he was done kind of surfing thrusters and he wanted to try different things. So we were always friendly, we had similar friend groups, and we knew of each other, but we weren't tight, like so to say. And then Matt kind of messaged me one day, when Ciampa was kind of taking off and he was mm-hmm. like, he could full on propos- like prepositioned me, propositioned me. Yes, he was like, you know, you need someone to surf your boards. Let me be that person. Sneakily trying to get free boards. Totally knew what he was doing. But it was a win-win. Yes. Um, and that totally worked. You know, he, I told him, I'm not going to give them to you for free. Like, Come sand them. Yeah. Yes. So I made him boards. He sanded them in the, in the beginning. Um, and our friendship kind of blossomed through that whole process. And then when lockdown hit, uh we actually stayed at the factory in woodstock for the three weeks and i kind of said to matt hey dude do you want to stay with me for those three weeks three weeks then turned into five weeks and at some point in those in that time we i was making boards and matt was helping me sand them and he was kind of learning the processes of but he was like teach me to make fins you know let me do something so during lockdown i taught him to make fins and, you know, the rest is history with that. He's now making really, really beautiful wow. stuff. He is super intricate with his hands as well. Like, um, from someone that I don't think he even realised he was into making things, kind of he f- dove straight in and he's really producing great role. stuff, beautiful. yeah.
0: Yeah, really beautiful fins. All the links for all, you know, Henry's mates and his journey will be down below, so you can find all those links. And at some point I'd hope to interview Matt and also, um, Mr. Young Jack Dower, but, mm. um, yeah great, you had a little zodiac of cool... Yeah, so light. I was
1: trying to do what I saw in the American and Australian thing, have okay. like this kind of collective house for everyone to work under. Yes. And it worked really well, you know, we all, all of our abilities to make stuff increased, because we were working off each other, we were bouncing ideas, we yeah. were, you know, one person had to mess up for all of us to learn was great.
0: And you had a spirit of collaboration. Yeah, and it, and
1: it was making. fun. You know? It was so much fun. We were all surfing together and just, it was a big vibe with your mates. It like felt like. It
0: was. I visited there. It was yeah. like going back to summer camp and everyone was just having yeah. fun. It didn't and feel like work at all. Yeah, it, it felt strange vibes. for me yeah. at first. And I must say, it felt weird. Um, but I soon got to understand why it was that way. Um, and you were bucking the trend. And I think that was the barrier in me. Because I've been brought up in a very South African way as well, and and once you overcome that barrier and understand that collaboration is the way forward, and I think COVID has accelerated that mindset. Mm. But you were doing it pre-COVID, and um, so imagine this: loads of shapers under one roof, talking to each other, sharing ideas, having a laugh, um, sharing tools to a degree, as long as it's not Henry's tools. Well, as long as you put it back, <laughs> it's cool. As long Just as you put, put it back. back. Yeah. Had this amazing like um vacuum cleaner you yeah, know the shaping bay there, w- there was no dust it was just dustless had the vacuum cleaner connected it was a cool spot we might even have some pictures that we'll just flash up yeah yeah, yeah 100%. Yep. i've got some stuff I can see. awesome good stuff and now um you're a jack black's ambassador best beer in cape town Charlotte, ross and meg ross and meg amazing humans who look to Uh, people in the community. Shout Uh, out Rob McCulloch as well. Rob McCulloch to you as well and to Tristan. Uh, The whole team at Jack Black's are really really rad and they do a lot for us at Wavescape and and likewise and it's so cool that you're one of their ambassadors and they they take people in the community and they go hey like we dig what you do, Mm. how can we support you? Obviously give you lots of beer. Very nice. And then all you got to do is live the life. And enjoy it, and work hard. Have a good hard surf. Have a good hard skate, and then you reward yourself. It's a reward with an mm. ice cold the grapefruit the, radler. Okay, so y- is that your favorite? <sighs> Hands down. I must say I got a bit of an affinity with that cherry. Oh we? really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I, I've seen a couple of people are on It reminds me of cherry. those. You know, you used to buy those strips of suckers. And they were like flat. Oh yes, yes, pink. yes, hundred percent, exactly. That flavor. It also tastes like a kind of Fizz pop. a fizzer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what? What else? What is your affiliate? What, other than being an ambassador, what do you? What does that With mean? With Jack Black. Yeah. What does that actually mean? Um, besides d- drinking
1: their beer. So I'm under no illusions. I have massive imposter syndrome about that whole situation. Right. Because I don't do much, but I get a lot from them. So thank you guys. Um, but I'm working to change that. But they. I guess want to be affiliated with people that they feel are doing cool things and okay. you know, I'm really stoked that they feel that I'm that person. Um, but yeah, we, I met Rob through my girlfriend Callan and me and Rob got along well and Rob at that point was, I guess, like team manager slash business, he was a big part of the business, yes. he's now no longer with them, he's moved on, but yeah, and he kind of pulled me in. I met Ross and Meg, and you know they were great. Invited me in, and yeah, it was super cool to be part of the team. I just discovered fitness at that point in my life, so I started running and cycling. And uh, Jack Black are very much aligned with that whole lifestyle, you know, fit, active lifestyle. Yeah. And now yeah, I seemed to fit the bill for what. I don't think
0: I. I mean, I'm. Uh, you know, I'd love to. You know, but the only thing that. I'm good at is moving my, my elbow up and down you know, up in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I need to lose a bit of this. <laughs> no, it's, That's cool.
1: I've, I've got youth on my side again.
0: Steady now. In that degree. Steady now, don't get cheeky. <laughs> um, 26, I'm just working out whether you could be my son. I'm nearly, I'm nearly 48 so I mean. Yeah, yeah, could have been. Could have been my son. My very, my, my wife at that point, would have had to have been a very mm. tall young lady. Well, the the, <laughs> the milkman, as my dad likes to say. <laughs> um, and now, this new little um, thing, this new little project that I saw via one of your feeds—come yeah. um, build your own surfboard. What is that all about? Um, yeah, it's something that I would—I'm working towards offering. I'm trying okay. to figure out how to do it. Right. Um, so see, that's what you call an entrepreneur. He puts something out there on Instagram. It says, Come build your own surfboard. And then he says, I'm still working out. I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. I know I do things backwards. Um, jump off a plane and build. What? Jump off a cliff and build an aeroplane on the yeah, way Yeah, shoot first, ask questions later. There we go. Easy um, to ask for forgiveness. Yeah. So much we can say.
1: So I'm just constantly trying to figure out how to reinvent how I make surfboards because. Um, to everyone out there, it's not an easy thing to do. It looks very glamorous from the outside, but most shapers will tell you it's a dusty, dirty, you know, gritty type of job, and it, it does still become a job. You know, 10,000 hours. It's, it's fabulous an expert, and lovely, right? exactly. And we've still got many thousands of hours to do. Um, but I'm just trying to figure out how to best do it so that I don't lose my love and passion for making it. You know, I'm I went through you know, a, a period recently of not even surfing for nine months. Kay. I just peeled off. You know, I was completely blown out and over. I don't want to look at a surfboard, but you know, I was forced to do it because yeah. it was my only income, and it is my only income. Um, so just doing that type of thing. You know, life is. We're all mm. growing up. I'm growing up. I'm learning how to actually do things and how Thanks to live life. Thanks for being so life. vulnerable. Um, it's something I would actually like to touch on. Yeah. You know, I full on had uh, what you would call a what call a life. Crisis. I just, a breakdown. yeah, hundred percent. I just, yeah, we're all going. emotionally was just, you know, I was blown out with work, um, some personal stuff, you know, here and there with other things, relationships, family. You know, everyone goes through their stuff. Um, when I actually had to put a halt, you know, I paid people's deposits back. Oh really? I took a full on break because I was just, you know, there was too much going on. Okay. For what I could handle at that point. Yeah. Um, but it was all necessary. And yeah, you know, now I'm just trying to reinvent how I do chomper surfcraft and make it work for myself, that I don't get to that point again. Yeah. So I feel like this board your own board workshop could be cool in that sense because I really enjoy. I don't want to say teaching, but showing. You know, it's the same reason we had the factory and we're so amped to have guys there. Like, it's boring to do something on your own. Yeah. So you know, if when the boys came in and we could show them what we were good at and they could show me what they were good at and we could learn from that that's great so if i can pass that on to someone who's interested in seeing it really cool and there's a lot of people that are interested in building their own board i guess and a big thing that we were always trying to do and still are is educate the masses on what it takes to to make a board um, in an attempt to kind of allow people to realize why boards are priced at what they are we're very fortunate in this country that across the board, we're paying too little for surfboards. Surfboards should be more expensive. Um, materials are increasing,
0: inflation, blah, blah, blah. And the price of surfboards has not met that inflation rate in okay. the slightest. So let's dig down into that. Henry is saying that we're not paying enough for surfboards. And I get what he's saying because you know, we just apply the, the old analogy, you get what you pay for. And with Henry's boards, there's a lot of love, care and attention that goes into making a craft. That you're not—he doesn't make disposable boards. He makes boards that I dare say you're gonna want to keep for a very yeah, long time. Yeah, I've always
1: tried to say my, firstly, surfboards in my opinion are not eco-friendly in any way. There's no such thing as an eco surfboard. Yes. But my ecological standpoint is that I'm gonna try and make you a board that lasts long. That you, you know, can hand down. Hand down, hopefully, um, and with that comes you know a need to use the best materials possible, and then and, and and with that comes higher prices. So it's kind of just trying to get the local market to understand that we should be paying a little bit more for the boards that we are getting and, and this is why.
0: Yeah. Well, again, we go back to surfboards that were made, you know, 50 years ago, whatever. You, you bought one board and you had that board for a very, very, very long time and it yeah. lasted you. Um, we have a disposable lifestyle now. Yeah. Exactly. Into boards. I mean, we had one of the old retro boards fall out of the rack at the board swap meeting the other day. It like literally bounced. Back up, and it was hardly a a problem, yeah. hardly a scratch on the rail. If you do that to a lot of new boards these days, um, you, you're looking for ding repairs. Sorry, Robbie, I know that's your business, but bring um, the ding. Yeah, bring the ding. So, yeah, how much percentage-wise of, of the board is is shipped in internationally? Like, sixty percent of the board, seventy percent of the materials come from overseas. Would you say?
1: Um, so. We're using, I mean, I try and use the best of what is available locally. Okay. We were recently, uh, in the last kind of two years now, I guess we'd say, with Shaper X, you know, we had access to US blanks. Um, but unfortunately, you know, might be a little bit touchy, but I feel that they're a little bit too expensive for our local market, there's mm-hmm. not enough margins on them. Um, so yeah, I guess, you know, I know that for me it's, it's, it's genuinely about 40 to 50% of the cost of the board is going to material. You know, and that's without labour. Mm. So then you factoring in labour, you know, your, your pure profit margin is not great on the board.
0: Sure. Um, so and you're spending a lot of hours in, in the bay, yeah, and, as yeah. you say, putting in a lot more love and care. Mm. And especially as me, I am a one-man show.
1: I have mostly been a one-man show. I've had people here and there that I've tried to teach, yep. um, you know, or bring on to, to make my boards for me but i've also realized that the reason i've even survived in this industry is because you know i am the only one doing it on my boards and therefore i can guarantee that quality mm. um and i can't afford for the quality to go down because you know, i don't think i would survive in that so it's a tricky one being a one man show mm. because you know if i go on holiday i'm not making an income for example um but yeah we're working away um like I said, I'm constantly trying to think of ways that I can make this work for me. Because I really do. We love making circles. I love.
0: And you don't want to um, have that emotional burnout again. And you yeah, don't want not at to, all. You don't want to start disliking the very thing that you fell in love with exactly. in any way whatsoever. So it's good that you've identified that and doing your best mm-hmm. to address that. How many boards are you hoping to kind of make a year? So I, I haven't even like had that number, you know, okay. I'm
1: at the moment I'm making two to three a week, okay. if I'm lucky Yes Um, Because again, I've moved out of that Woodstock big factory now Where are you now? To Hart I'm okay. working from home, got like a home set up, my garage and another room and an end Okay um, So my capability for production is low, I can only make X amount per week Yeah. Which is the biggest blessing in disguise, because with that whole Um the, the Woodstock factory, it was amazing. We had that great collab space, but I felt like I ended up running a factory and not making boards, which was the last thing I wanted to do. So when COVID hit, that building sold. And um, you know, we were obviously at the time very sad, and you know, what, yes. what are we all doing? The boys all kind of separated. It was very sad in that sense, um, but it was- The end of a chapter. The you know, end of a chapter, but I feel the greatest thing that could have happened because it allowed me to almost uh, regress into back into the backyard shaper thing, mm. which is actually where I'm happiest and where I want to be. Um, cool. So yeah, now it's… Wow. It sounds it's like
0: you've already had quite a few chapters in the Chomper history. It is funny,
1: because it's only 6-7 years now and they have been like… I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to
0: call this one Chomper's Chapters. Chomper's Chapters, I like We're that. We're on yeah. chapter… Yeah. Chapter four, 3 now. Chapter, chapter four, 3 yeah. or 4, um, many more to come in this mm. book that is Henry. Uh, so keep an eye out. Uh, that's cool. Hart Bay, uh, yeah, that's where we're staying actually, mm. in Hout Bay.
1: So. I do love the saying, change is as good as a holiday. Yes. So that kind of fits in with that. Change is
0: the only, it's the only consistent thing in mm. life is change. Mm. And it really I, I mean, it,
1: personally, this is now again on a little maybe, you know, deeper personal level. Yes. I was very much like in this illusion growing up that, you know, I always used to say, as opposed to they used to say, I just want to be consistent. You know my biggest thing was consistency and now i realized like what a silly thing to say you know you are going to change the ball is going to change how you adapt is actually the best thing to that change so yeah yeah it's funny we all grow up and i'm growing up and i'm learning and i'm under no illusions i'm so far from perfect like just trying to get through life not make enemies
0: um do what i love which is making surfboards yeah. and cool, you know, vibes. That's just the vibe. cool yeah. vibes all around yeah that's it it's the energy that you put out and i think that sometimes there's that Especially within the surfing world, and the you know the more competitive performance surfing world, there's energy and there's like you almost got to have that that uh, like like aggression, you know. Not, mm. not, I'm not talking about aggression towards one another, yeah. but that like that you want the that passion. that grits and that pa- mm. yeah passion exactly that. Um, but always with good vibes. Remember that. You know, I think that's Mm. important. And in terms of like surfing, you got any trips planned? Are you staying local? So
1: I've literally just, like I said, I had a nine-month stint away from surfing and then I surfed again and then I had another three-month stint. And that was now. I just broke that three-month stint again from surfing. Also, side note, I found bicycles and bicycles took over my life. Oh, wow. Um, They're a lovely, great, amazing thing to do, Mm. but they are addicting to the the tenth degree. Yeah. so now I am once again revisiting the whole idea of balance and okay. I'm surfing again finally, which is great. I'm loving surfing again. Um, for a while. Less. Yeah, cycling less, doing other things less, just balancing everything out.
0: But like road cycling?
1: Road cycling and gravel cycling, okay. gravel bikes. Um, yeah, like oh. really cool. It was a cool you know, side of my life that was really fun. I'm still mm. in it, but um, yeah. I'm not going to be as heavily into it as I was, maybe. Yeah. Um, my personality is quite addictive in the sense that like if I choose to do something okay. I generally dive all, head first all, all, all and go yeah, all yeah, out okay. um, Which is something I'm learning to navigate um, <laughs> It's good that
0: you can be so candid about it. It really is it's refreshing um, that you as vulnerable as you are um, It's also refreshing that you I mean Henry is actually a really f- friendly guy in the beginning, he came across to me as quite. I think it's also again because of your height. So, it's that's like something that's great to
1: touch on. It's this People an find an me an intimidating. Aloofness.
0: Yeah, it's, it's this aloofness, you
1: know. Oh, do I f- come off a bit? nonchalant you,
0: you, you used to. Uh, you no. to me anyway. I thought you were. No, quite... it's good to know uh, you were quite aloof, um, not in a negative way, just in a very um, sort of like I I am me and I stand for this and that sort of thing. And it's it wasn't in a in a. Sort of horrible way. Horrible. No, no, but it's true, dude. I fall prey to that.
1: Like, I'm fully aware of the fact yeah. that, like, I can come off a certain way. But actually, um, you can
0: go up to Henry and just pat him on the bat and say, "Hey, yeah, please, great also surfboards.
1: Keep doing what you're doing." Or give me, give me nonsense. Give me, <laughs> you know, critique. I love critique. Critique's a good thing. I used to struggle with taking critique. I've totally learned like you have to take critique to do yeah. things. Um, but I think a lot of that comes from, you know, as silly as it may sound, from literally physical appearance. Like. People find me intimidating, I've heard that a lot, people have told me that a lot. I'm a proper goofball. I'm a laugh. Like, come up to me, gimme shit, say hi, please. Like yeah, just I have a. R- a <laughs> can I can I yeah. I have a resting bitch face. Okay. I've been told. Um so I, I might look like resting, resting bitch face. <laughs> <laughs> so I might look like I'm in my own world or grumpy, it's not the case. I'm okay. a pretty happy go lucky person, I like to think. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I dig chats. The real
0: Henry Chomper, not yeah. the guy that you thought you knew, oh, in the orange bus, driving around. Mm.
1: But nah. also, again, not <laughs> perfect, you know, we've all nah, nah, have done sure. things we're not stoked with, and that's just life, I guess.
0: Exactly, it is, it is, and we just got to move mm. on, move forward, refocus. Mm. Whoosh, the I, I, I'm
1: going to take the opportunity, one of the biggest things that like, it irks me, you know, in that period of me kind of overworking myself and getting into that emotional, like, drag, you know, I, like I said, I paid people's deposits back and, you know, I made a couple of boards at that time that I just wasn't 100% stoked on or yes. you know, 100% in and, you know, pissed off maybe one or two customers and, like, they know who they are. I apologise. We've worked through it now, but I'll take the opportunity again to just be like, yeah, I wasn't at my best. And they all know I was very honest with them. Um, but, yeah. it's a worry, learning, a it experience. Off your chest. Yeah. It's gone now. It's good to be off my chest.
0: It's good. It's good. Get it off. And, it's, uh, and I'm sure... That apology mm-hmm. is accepted because it takes a bigger man to say sorry than mm-hmm. to not. I think, so yeah, we all, as we grow up, we all just realize
1: we're all doing this for the first time. So nobody yeah. actually knows what's going on. Exactly. Henry, Doing it's our best.
0: an absolute pleasure, bro. Is that <coughs> it? Is, that, is it? that it? Is that it? Is there anything else you want to say? No, is there no. anything else you want to ask? No, I think that's it. Are you a herbivore, carnivore? Do you eat both? Are you uh, vegan? Or are
1: you vegetarian? I, I mean, I dabbled with vegetarianism, but I eat. I'm still at that phase again. Back to the youth. I eat what I want. Okay, cool. One day the flip's gonna switch. Yeah, switch and then is you'll gonna flip. I know and it, and I'm so gonna have to focus a bit more. Yeah. Um, Chapters. Yeah, luckily my girlfriend eats extremely healthily, and she's got me uh, on a way healthy. Okay, here. I'm glad you touched Buzz. on that.
0: he's not on the market. Got a girlfriend. Alright. I mean, so just calm yourself. Very happy relationship because he's, he's amazing. He's woman. one of the better looking young guests I've had on the show. So <laughs> I just wanted to put that out there because I'm the one who has to deal with all the mail and all the messages saying who's uh, Henry. All so, the,
1: the, the mail messages. Well yeah. <laughs> 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 mail messages.
0: So yes, Henry is taken, unfortunately, for you. Uh remember, the, the key things out of this conversation are that Henry's actually a really nice guy. <laughs> Two. I start paying so. more for your surfboards and understanding Easier, that you're or not even
1: just a, a appreciate your shaper or where you buy a board from and a big thing let's try get rid of the bro deal in surfing yeah no you know, we're already i promise you a lot of the dudes especially locally are purposely trying to keep their prices as low as possible right. in order to make sales just to, you know just to enter the market yeah. so asking for that base Or that discount is kind of just, you know, you're literally taking money out of that dude's pocket, especially if it's on the the smaller scale like me and the other guys that are doing, you know, their own solo thing. You're kind of essentially taking their income out um, when it's not necessary. You know, people spend money on other things without even thinking of asking for a discount. And I don't think that, I think the the whole mantra around the whole surfboard bro deal needs to change. And I think a lot of the people that I have conversations with around that agree.
0: Um, it just needs to be kind of said more. There we go, no bro, no more bro deals. You go into yeah. Willie's, you pick up the bag of oranges, you, you don't go it. to the no. cashier and say, "Hey, can I get a ten rand discount mm. because I'm a pro orange man." Yeah. And, and and
1: like it's going through so many hands and processes, and you know, if you look at what people are paying for, I know, for example, being involved with bikes, like people pay silly money for bikes.
0: Yeah, bicycles. Oh, crazy! Hundreds crazy. of thousands. Yeah, hundreds,
1: of of literally hundreds of thousands of rands. You know, no questions asked because. I guess because they know what they're getting is quality because it comes from some big manufacturer yes. and, you know, and we're all trying to reach that level of uh, legitimacy, legitimization in the sense that you are happy to pay what you want for what you're getting and I hope that I'm working there and I feel like I'm getting there. Um, but yeah, like people don't complain about other things and I don't think that you should be complaining about surfboards. Pay what you think is fair and if you don't think you're getting a fair deal, open that conversation um, but don't try to uh, wiggle people on their prices if possible.
0: And on that bombshell, we'll end it. Henry Chomper, absolute pleasure. All the links for Henry are down.